This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello and welcome to Flow. It's Elwes Marshall from Purple Radio. This episode, I have two amazing poets who have both been involved in the Durham poetry scene and the Durham spoken word scene. They are really brilliant and it was a pleasure to chat to them. First, I have Fahad Alamudi, who I saw perform live at TEDx Durham conference this year. He was incredible and I've been wanting to get him onto the podcast for a while. I was really happy to chat to him about his work, his process and his influences. And then after that, I have a really great chat with Beth Davies. And she also recorded herself performing some of her own poetry at the end, which was great. So stick around for that. Also, just a note, this episode was recorded at the end of April. So it was quite a while ago. But I've been so excited to release this episode and I really hope you enjoy it. I know at the start of every episode I say that I recorded it a while ago. It's because I did everything before my exams and I took a big break. But I'm really excited to get some of these episodes out I have been sitting on and I can't wait for you to hear them. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, thank you so much for chatting to me today. Hi. Um, the first question I wanted to ask was, do you have a first memory of sort of writing or performing and how did you get into spoken word poetry specifically? Uh, so I first started writing when I was about 10 years old. Um, we were In English, we were given a poem to write as homework um, and I just loved, I loved doing it. Uh, and so I just kept it on as a, as a, as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got to like sixth form, me and a few friends who were like really interested in creative writing, we, we started off our own magazine. So I started writing more, taking it more seriously, like really trying to learn how to get better. Um, and then when I finally got to university, I met up with Kim Dean and Prana Kumar, who are also amazing poets. Um, and we sort of, yeah, everything just sort of went from there. We wrote together a lot and I started taking it very seriously. I was going to ask about at university, um, have you sort of enjoyed being involved in the poetry scene? I know you're involved in the poetry society. Are you involved in like sort of spoken word and slam at uni? Yeah, so um, uh, university was really like where I got my start. So um, my first ever performance was an open mic that the society ran. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, the society was run by, by Kim and Prana. Um, and I, I went up. And I was, I was nervous as hell. Uh, but then I spoke to them afterwards and um, they asked me to, to audition for the slam team. Um, and yeah, that was like one of the two most important things I've ever done because uh, the slam team is, is, is an incredible um, like mentoring scheme. Like it's, it's, not, it's not just a, a team that goes off to competitions. Like we, you really, really care about your development and they really work on your writing skills. So yeah, coming to university, meeting them and writing with them has been hugely influential. Like, I really look up to those two. They are they are amazing. And society in general is great as well. Um, I'm really happy to have, have um, like, run it this year with, with Charlie, Charlie Spence. And, um, yeah, our, our goal is, is really to follow in Kim's footsteps and create a really inclusive space, um, not only for, for students, but for locals as well. Like, we really try to bridge that kind of town-gown divide. Um, so uh, yeah, as a as a as a support scheme, as a, a place to sharpen your skills, like the society really is a special place. So, would you recommend? Is it an audition process for the slam team? But anyone can sort of get involved in the poetry society, right? 
Yeah, um, the, the, the policy we sort of take is like you choose how much you want to be involved. So for the SLAM team specifically, it is a big commitment and you do have to audition. But, um, you know, if you don't make the SLAM team, that's fine because you can be involved in society, you can come to open mics. We put on uh, workshops as well, run by us and by professional poets. We had Sinead Morrissey come in. We've had um, a really good rhyming workshop by Susie McCoom. Um, she's incredible. Um, and yeah, so, you know, you, you choose how much you want to be involved and we're always there for feedback, um, for support, for things like that. Cool. On more of a personal level, what are your main themes that you tend to touch on and focus on in your spoken word poetry? And do you sort of take your life experience as a foundation and build on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I started off in spoken word, um, coming into uni, doing competitions with the team uh, and doing slams and things like that. And yeah, I guess it was um, like the confessional style, like a lot of, like a lot of slam is. Obviously that will always intersect as, you know, someone that looks like me will always intersect with like wider political issues. But um, yeah, I, I'd say that, um, you know, I've moved away from, from spoken word um, as the years have gone on, as uni has, has gone on. But yeah, um, I know poetry is. There are there are writers who, who who write out of themselves, not necessarily from their own experiences. But whatever you write about says something about you anyway. Mm -hmm. so you're always writing in some way about yourself. In terms of the, you touched on the politics sort of social issue um, theme. Um, do you think that sort of poetry is inherently political? And sort of, in terms of spoken word, do you think it's important to have that space for people to express their opinions and how spoken word poetry throughout history and now is sort of giving a platform to more marginalised communities to talk about their experiences? 100%. Um, I was actually talking to Kim about this a few weeks ago. Um, she brought up uh, another Camus uh, quote, which is, create dangerously. And I think that's... Uh, that's as resonant today as it was in the 20th century. Um, I mean, yeah, you don't need me to, to, to like elaborate on the history of spoken word. Like it is a platform for, for minority voices. But also I think that it's a wonderful stepping stone. Like, it's a, like for me at least, it was a great introduction. Um, and I think the, the next challenge for for minority voices is to, is to dominate the, the, how do I put it? It's like, it's not necessarily that there aren't minority voices in, in, in mainstream poetry, because there are, there are like wonderful trailblazers. Roger Robinson just won the T.S. Eliot Prize recently, for example. But I think we need to create our own institutions, um, because I think the ones that exist fail us. Yeah, more popular over the last few few years, I'd say, and mm. that is, I don't know how to phrase it. Um, I guess you know what I mean. As Same in, like, thing that's happened to hip hop, and exactly, yeah. it's sort of popularized by middle class white young people, yeah. and it's cool because it gets loads of hits on YouTube, and it's great because it gets loads of um, sort of coverage for the scene, but it doesn't necessarily give credit and sort of like show the rest of the the scene I guess like, yeah 
I, I would agree. There is an underappreciation for, yeah, exactly. for folks who aren't necessarily on button poetry. Yeah, um, yeah which is why I, I would like to see more recognition to, to those people. In terms of your own writing, what's the sort of process that you go through? I'm not sure if you write page poetry as well in the traditional style, but is there a difference when you're writing with the intention to perform it versus what you're going to put on the page? So yeah, there used to be. Uh, so when I was just doing spoken word, it was everything I wrote was geared towards um, the fact that this was going to be a performance at some point. So you focus on the more sonic techniques, you focus on, it's, it's really strange because all slams are, your poems have to be three minutes, or like three minutes, ten seconds. So it's, you you're, you learn to write in this very strange, like, timed format. Um, so yeah, when I was doing that, um, everything was geared towards towards that three minutes, ten seconds, conventional style, and you have to focus more on, on sonic techniques than, than the and the ones you can see clearly on the page because that's the one that's going to have the most impact and that's going to do the best. Um, now, because I don't do slams or, or spoken word anymore, um, my process hasn't necessarily changed um, because I still think that uh, the, the, the boundary between page and spoken word is a bit artificial um, and that every poem should be written with the intention of being read. Um, so when I do write, um, yes, my focus is wildly different. But at the same time, I am thinking about how this is going to sound because, you know, a poet's bread and butter is, <laughs> is reading, you know, if you can't do that. Then, yeah. um, I've seen on your Instagram that you've recently had your work published in an anthology, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to ask sort of how that felt for you. Um, and... I don't know. I just wanted to ask about that experience because it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was really fun. Uh, it was really unexpected um, at the time. So this was about a year ago. The woman that ran Apples and Snakes North, um, Kirsty Chester, uh, sorry, got in touch with me and a friend, Karishma, and said, um, "There's this anthology happening. Do you want to submit for it?" We were like, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" Uh, we submitted our poems, not really thinking much of it because I don't know. It didn't seem. Uh, like, really, like it didn't seem achievable at the time and then and then uh, got an email a few months later saying yeah you, you've made it I was like oh yeah, okay um, getting, getting published in an anthology which was really fun and exciting and then I got my editor's copy and I found out that people like Raymond Antrobus, Bridget Minimore, Amina Jama are all in it and I'm like that's mad yeah and I was like oh I was not expecting this so it was a good project to be a part of because um, it's not necessarily Actually, no, it is, it is aimed at young people, and I like that um, because you, there's basically space in it for us to give like tips and advice, and um, I think it's a really uh, good project to be involved with. Um, and then on top of that, to have like people I admire, Fatima Zara, Mia Jama, to be in, in, in the book is amazing, and uh, to be my friend Krishna is also pretty sick. <laughs> Your other projects and competitions you've been involved in, especially mm. the poetry experiment, which sort of like combines the passion for music and spoken word. Yeah, uh, the poetry experiment is a lot of fun. Um, it's yeah, so that is that is very much uh, yeah, it's it's spoken word. Um, although we're trying to um, try out new things in terms of the writing, but it's it's spoken word and it's like jazz influence, hip hop influence, kind of instrumentals. 
Um, and that came about um, actually an event in Durham. So there's three people. There's me, uh, a drummer, and a guy that plays keys and sax. And the guy that plays keys and sax um, went to Durham. He was in the year above me. And ooh, the drummer had come up from London. He, just, he didn't go to Durham. And those two were doing an improvised jazz set at an, at an arts event. And I saw them play, and I was like, wow, you guys are incredible. Um, and they asked me if I wanted to collaborate on putting the word to, to music. And um, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. I wanted to do it. Um, and we, we had a performance. And then after that, we, we really enjoyed working together. We, we worked together really easily. Um, I mean, when we did our first performance, I think we came up with, with four songs in like one afternoon. Um, so we worked really well together. And yeah, we just wanted to take it forward. So now we're working towards uh, a single, which I hope will come out in the next couple of months. Will that be uh, on Spotify or...? Yeah, that'll be, that'll be on everything, Spotify, iTunes, everything. Um, and then hopefully an EP by the end of the year, but, you know, with the lockdown, who knows? <laughs> nice. I mean, I guess you have more time over the lockdown to work on stuff, but it must be hard to collaborate because a lot of that is in person. Yeah, that's that's the issue. Like, it's it's fine if they send me a demo and I can write to it, but then we've got to get, like, someone to add strings or whatever needs to be added to something. You know, that's difficult. I've noticed you um, contribute to a music journalism review Instagram account um, mm. at, that makes sort of playlists and does reviews. Is it, what's it, Keyline? Keyline, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, the, the name is completely random. No, it was a good, it's a good name. Um, how, how much do you think that music influences your spoken word and also just your projects overall? And how important is the sound or musicality of a slam poem? Uh, musicality means a lot in all, in all form, I think, not just spoken word. I think it's, it's more prominent. You can see sort of, you can like see the working more in spoken word. But it's there in everything. It's there in prose, it's there in uh, screenplays, it's there in, in script writing. Um, musicality is, 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 is the base of our language. Um, uh, yeah, and, and working with the other guys for Keyline, um, that's a lot of fun because... Um, not only do we get to talk about the things we feel passionately about, like I feel very passionately about hip hop and R and B, but um, we we talk uh, to a lot of like emerging artists and we do reviews for them and we see their progress and that's that's really great to see. Cool. Um, who would you say, sort of, uh, musicians wise, would be your one of your main influences when you're creating, like, whether it's spoken word or the musical spoken word stuff with the poetry experiment. For the poetry experiment, um, I'd say people like No Name, uh, Gil Scott Heron, um, Matana Roberts. Um, we're all huge fans of Robert Glasper and a lot of that sort of collective, Derek Hodge um, and um, Taylor McFerrin and all them. Um, yeah, because there's, I mean, there's a lot of artists trying to, to, to blend the two, the music and spoken word. Um, and we kind of we kind of come at it from two different angles. Like um, obviously they they brought a lot of jazz to to the project, so I've been introduced to a lot of that, and we've been listening to a lot of that. Hence, sort of the names I just roll out there. But also, like there are a lot of uh, a lot of poets I admire who who use musicality in their work um, that I think, although not necessarily geared towards um, being performed with music, I think they they influence me a lot in in how I write for it. I was going to say no name. Every line is sort of like a line of poetry in the way she writes. I love her work. 
Yeah, no, and um, uh, huge admirer because it's so difficult to to it's difficult to remain on beat and be lyrically dense, um, which she she does expertly. And I think uh, like <laughs> what we do is a little bit of a cop out because we sort of throw away the idea of rhythm and. Um, but yeah, the, the challenge is she works in a very restricted form, and that's really something to admire. Who would you say, you've mentioned some influences, would you like, do you think you have a favourite line or lyric, whether it's a song or a poem that someone else has written that sort of has inspired you or means a lot to you? Uh, I mean, when, yeah, when it comes to poetry or music, um, I don't necessarily get drawn immediately to lines or, or poems or songs. It's I... I it's more collections or pamphlets or, or, or albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say the two most influential collections I've read are Nick McCoy's Kingdom of Gravity and Kaio Chingoni's Kumakanda. Um, those two. Oh, and uh, Ilya Kaminsky's um, Death Republic. Those three collections sort of changed everything um, for me in terms of how I write, um, how I edit and how I, how I think of writing as well. Um, in terms of the music, um, I mean, we'd be we'd be sort of like listing my favorite albums here. Which <laughs> well, I was going to ask, sort of, if you had a desert island disc, what would it be? Oof, um, hard. I know. I'm, can I pick three? Mm-hmm. So I, my top three, which never changes, is always Tenuta <laughs> uh Voodoo, and Mama's Gone by Kendrick, uh, D'Angelo, and, and Eric Badu. Those three never change, but. Yeah, trying to get a top five or a top ten, no way. <laughs> yeah. What would you say the poem or piece of work or performance you're most proud of is? Nope. <laughs> oh, sure. Everything can be edited. Everything can be can be made better. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the last one was: Do you have a piece of advice you'd give to young people, whether they're at university or school, or after that, um, when they want to get into writing and performing? One piece of advice. Um, can I do? Can I do a couple? Because I think there there are two. Because I think those are two different questions. Um, in terms of writing, read, 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 read as widely as possible and as much as you can. Um, because the you may not sort of see it tangibly, but subconsciously, like you are learning so much just from reading. Um, different form, different styles, different voices. And in terms of performing, um, you just gotta try. Um, and it's scary, and, but you, you just gotta try and keep trying. Um, and you'll push through. Thank you very much for chatting today. No, no worries. I appreciate it, thank you. Next up, I have Beth, who I chatted to about her poetry. And as I said, she does a performance at the end, which she recorded from home, which was really nice of her. And I think it'll be a really nice way to end that episode. So let's get straight into it. Hi, uh, thank you so much for talking to me today. I hope you're well in lockdown. I just wanted to ask you a few questions about your poetry, um, writing and performing. So the first one I wanted to ask was, how did you get into writing and performing poetry? Um... Well, I sort of, I feel like I've kind of written various things, like, since I was a kid. Um, and then I sort of 
and like you know like little stories and stuff and then I sort of settled on poetry is actually the thing that I mm-hmm. am <laughs> most like doing um and then I feel like I just sort of stumbled into performing poetry because I liked writing poetry and because it's uh, like a nice way to share it with people why do you think like poetry works as a creative outlet for you personally um I think there's just something about being able to like distill like thoughts and feelings just kind of into like this small bunch of words that Mm. I feel like other things don't really offer um and yeah just the the way of like capturing things I think is quite unique to poetry Mm -hmm. do you create in any other ways do you like write stories um not in not to an extent that I'm good at any other ways (laughs) um like I'll I'll faff about with a bit of doodling and occasionally I've written a story or two but um poetry's my mm-hmm. main thing that I would actually be willing to share with people yeah that makes sense um in terms of creating or writing poetry what would you say you personally get out of it is it sort of a cathartic thing where you can get your thoughts into one place or do you draw a lot on your sort of life that you're experiencing your experiences I think it's a mixture of things I think I mean there's definitely a certain sort of cathartic element Mm -hmm. but I think the main thing for me personally is being able to it's almost like working out what you feel and think by um putting it into like images and Mm -hmm. um metaphors and all that and then I do think there's something very nice about being able to share that with other people but also like being able to share it with my future self if that makes sense yeah, like so it's, it's a way like of processing for your future self a bit yeah, yeah absolutely nice um what would you say your process looks like when you're actually writing um and how different is the process of writing for page poetry rather than to perform like with the intention to perform it so I think my process mostly starts with just sort of scribbling down a random mess Mm -hmm. um that is (laughs) mostly things that I then get rid of and then I sort of and so I, I like to do that on paper yeah um most of the time and then I would go onto the computer and sort of start like doing like bullet points of lines or just like working out how things fit together mm-hmm. often I kind of start by writing more of sort of almost like just weird poetic <laughs> prose and then I kind of try and move that into a um poemy shape <laughs> one of a better word do you have um, any sort of themes that stick out throughout your poetry I think it depends what I'm sort of thinking about a lot of particular time. Mm -hmm. I've never sort of set out to have certain themes in my poetry. Um, But it's it's interesting when you kind of look back and you think, oh, I was writing quite a lot about 
this like yeah. growing up at this time at this time I was writing quite a lot about like family like so it's not sort of consistent through lines necessarily mm-hmm. but I do find it interesting to see when things come up that are obviously things that I like think about Thinking quite about, a lot yeah um would you say you've sort of said about um in a way writing to your future self and like processing thoughts and different things would you say you've learned things about yourself through writing um sorry that's quite a hard <laughs> question <laughs> no that's it is a difficult question I'm not sure I'd I've sort of learned something that I can kind of tangibly express yeah, that makes sense um but maybe I have kind of learned learned sort of a ways of engaging with things yeah. if that makes sense yeah I or that. um yeah I don't really know sorry that was hard um no it's a very interesting question I'll have to think about it <laughs> thank you um so sort of when you got into slam poetry and performing was that at university um yeah I mean I I performed at a few um like open mics and stuff before I came to uni Mm -hmm. um and then coming to uni I discovered the poetry society and I was going to all the open mics but I still I mean to be honest I still don't really think of myself as like a a slam poet yeah but I I when I um, started going to the Poetry Society things, I knew that I did enjoy um, reading my work out and um, I got to know all the, uh, the people in that crowd and they were all really great going. So I thought this this year, I thought it's my last chance, I might as well audition for the Slam team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's like, it's only really this year that I've sort of started thinking of myself in any sense of a slam poet even though I don't think my work is necessarily in that style but actually there's there is a diversity of things that you can perform yeah definitely um so you mentioned sort of you've met a lot of people at uni through it would you say there's like a social element to being involved with poetry and slam poetry at university absolutely um yeah the um the slam team particularly are all great we um so a lot of the time we meet up to write and then we don't write anything because we're just sort of <laughs> faffing about just like studying when um, you meet up to study and you don't end up doing anything <laughs> yeah no exactly <laughs> just end up talking about life um but yeah and also um like yeah and not just the slam team there's lots of other great people in that crowd but um I do think it's a nice way of connecting with people because, mm-hmm. I mean, at the open mics, even the people you don't speak to, it's like, hello, here is a bit of my soul. Yeah, um, it's very personal. And that that is a way of connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Even um, e- even aside from the like directly social aspect, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Can you remember your first performance? Oh, I think I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. I think it was just like a little uh, open mic for young people mm-hmm. um, that I went to when I was probably like 15 or something. 
and yeah, I was terrified. Yeah, I was going to ask, did you I like still... have a lot of nervousness and how have you found ways to overcome that or have you just been more comfortable in the setting as you've carried on? Um, I, I think that's an interesting question because I'm not even 100% sure I have found yeah. ways to overcome the nerves. I think you just sort of do it anyway. Yeah, um, jumping in and like, doing it. Yeah, I... I have I often sort of shake when I'm performing and mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's probably noticeable but you just sort of have to ride through it power through and also yeah. I feel like poetry audience audiences are generally like very like friendly and forgiving, forgiving. yeah and that Definitely. that makes it easier as well that even even when you are visibly nervous there's like a sympathy for that rather than a kind of yeah. Criti- critical view towards it yeah I, I was gonna ask about sort of if you're talking about quite com- um personal topics um and themes when you said like you're sort of putting across a piece of your soul or being like what you think in your head and putting it out there do you often feel sort of vulnerable um in what you're talking about with the audiences but you said like the audiences seem very like kind and understanding yeah, I think it's definitely vulnerable. It's sort of like double layer of vulnerable because it's like this is a, a thing that I think and feel and I don't know if it like makes sense or if it's like a normal thing to think and feel. Or if, and there's also the level of I don't know whether this poem is any good. Yeah. And I, you're facing the judgment for that. It's not judgment because it's not a judgmental audience, but like but it feels, in that extent, yeah. it's like... Yeah, it's vulnerable in mm-hmm. sort of diff- different ways. What is the atmosphere sort of like at slam events, um, both as an audience member and as a performer? Do you sort of enjoy that scene and like going to the events? I think um, at all the events I've been to, it's just a very like warm um, atmosphere mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, there's. I think there's. It's nice when you're at an event as as a performer and as a yeah, definitely um, listener. And I think and because lots of people there have the, like sort of that experience on both sides, it kind of it's almost like the sort of solidarity. Yeah, because you've just um, been in there, the seat, sort of listening, and then you're up, so you kind of understand both sides. If that makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, that's something really nice about that mm-hmm. whole environment. Touched on the social aspect of being involved in the society, but what specifically have you sort of done? You've been running or helping to run a society journal, right? Yeah, so I'm the editor of The Tension, which is our online journal. Um, I, I guess this is my little plug if people want to. <laughs> Check it out. It's um, G E N T I A N. Yeah. Um, the Gentian, and you can find it on Facebook and Twitter and that. Um, anyone can submit to yeah. the like their poetry and their photos as well. Nice. Um, and we have like a theme each for each issue, um, and then it goes up online. I'm putting together the, the sixth issue now. 
What advice would you give to someone wanting to be involved in the Durham poetry scene, whether it's the Poetry Society or the Slam team? I think, well, it's not, it feels weird to say in this current situation where, um, Definitely, yeah. where we can't go anywhere, but um, when life returns, it's not just like going to the events. Yeah. I think um, a lot, when I first went, I was kind of, kind of nervous. What is this? These scary poetry people. Um, but they're not scary. And um, it is a really nice thing to be a part of. In And the, also there's lots of different ways to be a part of it. Because, like, you, there are people who, like, just submit to the journal and don't really go to the actual events. There's people who come to the events and just listen or, and just listen and don't necessarily even write poetry themselves. They're just enjoy hearing it there's people who like perform at all the open mics and and then there's obviously the slam team which will be auditioning at the beginning of next year so that's something that people could do if they're wanting to play a role in that do you have any poets that you would recommend to check out whether they're slam or spoken word artists or Um, traditional page poetry some of the poets I'm reading at the moment uh, um, Mary Jean Chan uh, Raymond Antrobus Nez Smith uh, Helen Mortsgood that, that's a few to thank you me, I guess. <laughs> and the last question I've been asking everyone I've got on is sort of Desert Island Disc style what album would you save if you were stuck on a desert island so I think I think I'd have Neo Theatre by a band called AJR nice i have to check it out next up i have beth reading one of her poems thank you so much to beth for reading this it's a really beautiful poem and it's really nice that she could share it on the podcast i just want to note that in a moment beth will make a content warning for family bereavement so just bear that in mind while you're listening i'm now going to read one of the poems that i performed at the uni slam competition as part of the durham slam team It has a content warning for family bereavement. I dreamt you from life to death for years, my brain practising loss while I slept. I didn't wake screaming. Instead, I'd stare at my ceiling and begin the seven stages before realisation bled through the curtains. It was only a dream. Like the happy endings I wrote as a child. It would take me all morning to shake that unfounded grief. I don't believe in premonitions, but I can't count how many times a dream has made me check my phone with shaking fingers. In the end, the news came from my phone, but it was after a dreamless night. I booked a train... I forgot to pack socks. I made deathbed small talk with your other grandchildren. It did not feel like a dream. The dreams felt more dramatic. Perhaps that's why I'm still practicing for something that's already happened. Preparing for an absence that's already gaping. My dream self is better at grief than I am. 
she knows when to cry and what to say and whether to read at the funeral. Meanwhile, I'm stuck dreaming you from death to life and back. Last night, I dreamt of your arm linked in mine, leaning against me for support. I guess I've missed that precious weight. I dreamt of you wandering off into unfamiliar streets, and I sprinted after you, feeling the sting of my bare feet on icy tarmac. On waking, I felt a second of relief to have not really lost you. And then I remembered. When I awake, a part of me is still running towards you, shouting words neither of us can hear. Thank you to both my lovely guests. I had a really great time chatting to them and sharing some of their thoughts on poetry and their different influences and also they shared some great poets which as always I will pop in the description on Spotify for you to check out because I think it's really great to share recommendations. So I will see you on the next episode. I hope everyone's safe and well. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.